reading is from the Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 to 16. And if you want to follow it in your pew Bible, it's on page 1185. Unity in the body of Christ. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is, Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. This is the word of the Lord. Gospel reading from Matthew uh, chapter 27, the Great Commission. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always even to the end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to your God. Thank you, uh, Joe, uh, for inviting me to be here today and for your warm welcome. I've just come hotfoot from Quaker Road where we had uh, a, a wonderful welcome and a great service this morning. So it's lovely to be here with you now for the second part of your service. 
As we as we sat, let's uh, have a moment of quiet and prayer together. Heavenly Father, as we come before you now, open our hearts to the guiding of your Holy Spirit, that we may hear your voice calling us, and we may be empowered to follow where you lead. And all for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, it has been quite a summer, hasn't it? We are living in very turbulent times. And, and someone on Radio 4 said not that long ago, I believe we are dying from an overdose of news. And it began, didn't it, with um, Brexit? And it moved on very quickly to a new prime minister and cabinet, <clears throat> to a Labour Party in disarray. And then tragically, the massacres in Nice and Munich and the ongoing uh, situation in Syria. Then there was that military coup in Turkey, uh, that very savage earthquake in central Italy, and even English football, we are told, is in disarray with allegations of corruption at every level. And you know, in the midst of all of this, what does it mean for us to be disciples of Jesus, to be salt and light, as he calls us to be? Influencing this world but not over-influenced by it, in this world, but not of it. In the large scheme of things, internationally, how do we as Christians engage with a world that is stained by violence and fear, by racism and discrimination, by terrorism, oppression? And here in our own country, we struggle, don't we? We struggle with the idea of a north-south divide in our nation. The place of gay people within the life of the church. The gender gap between male and female opportunity, which still exists. And then, of course, we're all aware of the escalating crisis around the safeguarding and the care of the elderly and the infirm. And of course the list goes on, and I'm sure there are things that you could add to that, that you're concerned about. How do we respond, though, when so much of what we experience around us seems to be and is often outside our control? What does the God who calls us want us to be and to do in the world in which we live? Well, 2,000 years ago, the early church, in a different age, but with parallel problems, faced the sorts of challenges that we do. 
And its answer was to live out its calling. Its calling to be witnesses as churches and as individuals. To live the life, to walk the talk, and to gossip the gospel, as Bishop Mike sometimes describes it. And as church communities uh, here today in Bristol Diocese, we too are called to respond to the world around us. We are asked to think of how we might connect with God, connect with each other, and connect with our communities. And, you know, much has been said and written about this already. It is our diocesan plan for the coming years, or should I say it's Jesus' plan. And it's been taken to heart, and it's being lived out in different ways from Swindon down to Bristol and all points in between. But what I want to focus on this morning, though, is what does it mean for us, not as the whole church, but as individuals? What does it mean for us to be witnesses to Jesus in these turbulent times? For I believe wherever we are on our journey of faith, whatever our role is in the local church, how we live the life, how we talk the talk, how we gossip the gospel, how we do it has a profound effect on those around us. And you will know that. You will know that. You will know that challenge. People look at us, don't they, as Christians or as churchgoers, as we're sometimes described. They look at our behavior, what we do, what we say, whether those are our friends, other members of our families, whether they're our neighbors or our colleagues, wherever we are, what we do, how we are, is observed and noticed. And it has an impact, for good or not, on the gospel. So how do we put into practice, how do we live out our calling, God's call on our lives, to be Christ followers in this beautiful uh, but broken world? Well, as I look around, I can see that some of us uh, may be old enough to remember that famous phrase that was used by uh, a person called Magnus Magnuson in that long-running TV quiz called Mastermind. Um, the bell used to go at the end of someone's time, and if he'd started a question, he would say, I've started, so I'll finish. So I'll finish. Well done. I've started, so I'll finish. Well, we live, don't we, in a time of instant gratification. Just think of the credit card debt that many people are struggling with in our must-have-it-now-but-pay-later culture. Just think of young people, those getting married, who give up on their marriage when they encounter those first difficulties 
and head for separation in the divorce courts. Think of many people today who don't keep a diary and therefore aren't willing to be on a rotor to do anything. Many people too, as you will know, begin the journey of faith. But as soon as their lifestyle and life choices hit against the gospel truths, they fall away. That's the world in which we live, isn't it? And yet, our God, constantly affirmed in the Bible, is someone who is faithful. And he wants us and calls us to be faithful too. But I wonder how you think that might play out in practice. Well, when I was thinking and praying about what it means for us as individuals to be faithful, there were a few things that came to my mind, and I'm sure there will be others that speak to you. I think the first one, though, for me, is that we are to be loyal to God in the way that he is loyal to us. We are to stick with him. No matter what the ups and downs of life are, no matter what the challenges, no matter what are the things of this world that seek to draw us away, we are called to be loyal to the God who made us and loves us. And then secondly, we are to be trustworthy. Trustworthy in all our dealings, especially in the workplace, no matter what malpractices we see around us. We are to be trustworthy, people who are not lured by corruption, whatever that might look like. And we've heard much about that in these last years, haven't we? From fiddling expenses to taking bribes. And then thirdly, I believe we are called to be steadfast. Steadfast with our family and our friends, living out the fruit of the Spirit amongst those who know us best. It's really easy to go off somewhere else and do lovely things with other people. Sometimes it's our families, those who know us the best, who get the short end of our tempers, don't they? The ones amongst who we live. This is, I think, for me, what faithfulness means. It means to swim against the tide. To be able to say, I have started, so I will finish. So we're to be faithful. But secondly, I think, we are called to be self-aware. As witnesses, to Jesus, our lives should be marked by certain behaviours and attitudes. I wonder, are we intentionally prayerful for friends and family, for colleagues who are not Christians, expecting God to act in the lives of those we pray for? If we don't pray for them, who will? And then are our lives marked by perhaps undramatic acts of menial service? That lovely phrase, random acts of kindness, often unseen by the crowd, 
but meaning so much to the person to whom those acts are given. Are we generous and hospitable in every area of our lives? And then are we people for whom relationships are important? When we fall out with people, which we all do, all the time, are we the ones who seek reconciliation? Or do we harbour past hurts, gossiping about them with others? And then I wonder, do we stand firm in the face of adversity? You will remember that within the last few years, Bishop Lee uh, was diagnosed with cancer. And the media were enthralled. I think that's the only word I can describe it. By the way he coped with that. By the honest way he spoke about his fears, but also about his trust in God. He was and continues to be, I believe, a sign of hope for many of us in our culture that fears death. So we are to be faithful servants, self-aware disciples. But also, I think, we are to be people with a story to tell. We are the people of the book. And I believe all of us have two stories woven into our lives. The first, of course, is the story of the birth and the life and the death of our Lord with the wonderful resurrection glory. And the story goes on, doesn't it? We need to be able to talk about what he has won on the cross the release from sin and failure that would distort our lives. That's our first story. But I think the second story is our personal one. It's about our own journey of faith and how that journey has transformed our lives to the glory of God and his church. What difference has it made to us to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And we need to tell both those stories, but not in some cringy way to someone whom you've cornered, who perhaps rather been down the pub or the football club. Uh, Bishop Mike tells uh, a story of being on the tube in London and um, busy tube full of people and there's a guy sat there And he's wearing a T-shirt which says, please ask me about Jesus. And in the whole carriage, the only two empty seats are the one either side of him. (laughs) That doesn't work, does it? What touches people's hearts and minds for Christ is the story of our struggle and how Jesus has been with us through bereavement, through redundancy, through family breakdown, whatever it might be, how we know that we have not been alone because Jesus has been working and walking with us, supporting and upholding us with his love.
as I said earlier, we live in this very secular culture, don't we, that needs the salt and light of the gospel. And it needs it because at its most basic, our message as Christians is that life with God is better than life without him. And it needs a community with disciples like you and me that don't just talk about that better life, but live it out. The challenge to pray, to speak, to act, to live, and to love differently. Well, it's a bit of a scary one, isn't it? But it is an exciting vision that starts with each one of us. And of course, we know that we're not on our own. We have the Holy Spirit. But often, I think, the Holy Spirit waits for us to take that first step, to dip our toe in the water before the Spirit fully reveals himself to us and shows us those next steps. The great news is that no matter what the state of our world, no matter what is happening around us, with Jesus, it's never too late. Christians have constantly been at their best when the odds have been stacked against them. In those circumstances, they have found hope and courage and strength. Just think of our brothers and sisters in Syria, all that they're coping with today. Their faith is stronger than ever. And I think in a world and in a nation that's in disarray, that should really encourage us. It should encourage us to dig deep, deeper into God, deeper into scripture, deeper into prayer, deeper into fellowship. But we need to do that together. And when this happens, not only as individuals do we become what God would have us be, but the church becomes what the church needs to be. The body of Christ in the world, but not of it. Do you remember Henry Kissinger, that um, American uh, statesman? He said this. He said, a diamond is merely a lump of coal that did well under pressure. And we know, don't we, that when it's placed under pressure, coal, and I know all about coal coming from South Wales, coal, which is that dirty black rock, and it's only derived from decaying, decaying plants, when it's placed under pressure, it becomes one of the most valuable and beautiful and coveted of gems. And I think, therefore, our prayer must be, that as disciples of Jesus Christ, we, too, need to learn to do well under pressure the pressures of this world. And we, each of us need to find a way of life and of ministry that not only benefits us, but enables the church family and the wider community that we serve to flourish despite all those challenges we encounter around us.
if we are witnesses to Christ, if we are truly faithful servants, self-aware disciples, and people with a story to tell, then God has promised us he will not allow the gates of hell to prevail against his church. And we will all grow up. We will grow up into him who is our head, into Christ, the God who calls us to follow him. So let's take a moment just to think about that and, and then I'll pray for us. Father, wherever we are on our journey with you, we know that you are always calling us on. Calling us on to love you and to serve you in new ways. And there may be something in your life that's preventing that. Despair or anxiety. Maybe pain or bereavement. Fear. Pride. Whatever may be blocking you from taking those next steps with Jesus. Just ask him to reveal it to you now. And in the silence, offer it back to him. Lord, we long to move forward with you on our journey of faith. We want to know you better. We want to love you more. We want to serve you with our whole beings. Take away those things that would block your love reaching us. Fill us with your Holy Spirit and bless us now as we turn to you that we might be a blessing to others and all for Jesus' sake. Amen.